And when you do a survey of our children regarding Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week, what are you thankful for? You're going to hear things such as um, thankful for puppies or thankful for beautiful colors, thankful for Thanksgiving food. This week I asked our chief operating officer and our facilities manager what they're thankful for, and they said, thankful for healthy knees. <laughs> so, and in line with that, the Heidelberg Catechism says the following. What is your only comfort in life and death? Answer, my only comfort in life and death, both in body and soul, is that I am not my own, but I belong to my faithful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who by his shed... Shed blood has satisfied for all of my sins and has delivered me from the power of the devil and so preserves my life that not a hair can fall from my head without my heavenly Father's knowledge. So we belong to him. Our sins have been forgiven by the work of Christ. We have been freed from the tyranny of the devil and he preserves our lives. We're to be thankful people. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 breaks out into this thanksgiving statement. Chapter 5 verse 1 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And then he says that immorality and impurity must not even be named among you as if it were fitting among God's holy people. And then he says this, verse 4, Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but, but rather let there be thanksgiving. Let your life overflow with thanksgiving. And later in the same chapter, he says, Be not drunk with wine because that leads to dissipation, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to the Lord with all of your heart for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so instead of cursings and negative speech and horrific speech, we're to be giving thanks. And a manifestation of being filled with the Spirit is you give thanks. And so we're to give thanks. Now, I, th I was thinking about this, that, that the life of thanksgiving, I thought about three options. Option number one in this issue of thanksgiving could be espoused by naming Richard Dawkins, who is an outspoken atheist and has spoken widely and provocatively and with great insight into life. But he said this, he said that life is empty and futile. It is a desert of meaningless insignificance. He says you make your own meaning in life. That's option number one. Option number two would be the, the Buddhistic, Stoic school of thought. They're, they're first cousins. The, the, the Buddhist says that, that there are four noble truths. Number one, life is suffering. Number two, the reason for suffering is because you have desires. Number three, the way you kill your cravings is to kill your desires. And number four, you kill your desires by the eightfold noble path, which includes right, right speech, right action, right thoughts, right meditation, right mindfulness, and so forth and so on. That's it. But then there's a third door. And the third door goes something like this. There was a debate at a university 
few years ago. A man was talking about the Christian faith on a college campus. And at the end of the debate, a man who was a Muslim stood up and he said, it is absolutely inconceivable to me that you're saying what you're saying. How can you say that the eternal God of the universe who has no beginning and who has no end? So that's what we believe. That's what we believe. How can you say that this God actually humbled himself and became a man and he lived and he wept and he went to the bathroom and he embraced people and then this God who you claim to be holy God all-powerful allowed men to crucify him so that's inconceivable to me I do not understand how you can say that and the man said he was just stunned and he said well our God has scars our God has scars so as you, as you think of that option let me say four things first of all we believe in the all-wise eternal God who never had a beginning and will never have an end but we also believe he's a shepherd of our souls number two we believe that he is almighty and that this God is for us and we know he is for us because of the cross if God is for us who can be against us now number three we, we believe that we can know our salvation and, and we can be assured of our salvation because of the death of Christ on the cross for our sins. He's our sin bearer. Therefore, we, we don't go through life with a karmic fixation like a lot of people that say, well, I've got to pay now for something I did five years ago or 20 years ago, or if you're Buddhist or Hindu, in a previous life pattern, life flow. We believe that all of our issues are covered by the work of Christ upon the cross. Our sins are forgiven. He loves us. His arms are open wide. We do not fall prey to sound of music theology. Those of us who are 50 or older remember a film called The Sound of Music. And there's a song in there, I am 15, is it 15 going on 16 or 16 going on 17? Which is it? 16 going on 17? Okay or I'm 79 going on 80 or whatever, you know, I am 16 going on 17, and then you know, people fall in love. And then another song says, somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have what? Done something good. That's just stupid. I love Rodgers and Hammerstein, but that's just bad theology. That, that's sound of music theology. It's not biblical. It's karmic. It's Hindu. It's Buddhist. It's, it's, it's just not biblical. You don't earn get somebody cute to marry you and dance around a gazebo in the rain in Austria because you did something good God is mercy before we, we believe that there is hope we believe that there will be a bodily resurrection we believe right now our bodies from day one are breaking down kind of sort of we believe what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and it will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you. Death is not the final word. Disease is not the final word. There's a great resurrection day with resurrection bodies and eternity in the presence of the Lord our, because our God has scars. I was at a deli shop the other day and sitting there and 
this uh, guy came charging in and filled up his coffee and threw down five dollars and was heading out the door and the guy said the owner said how you doing called him by name I was in another city and didn't know the person and and the guy said man I am living the dream I've heard that occasionally and when I hear that I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna say to them do you have a minute for me to ask you a question sure does your dream include cancer does your dream include, include heart disease and birth defects? Does your, does your dream include women being, young girls being sold into slavery in Nigeria? Does your, does your dream include a couple in Pakistan two weeks ago who were believers falsely accused and burned alive? Does your dream include tsunamis? If that's your dream, I don't want to be part of it because, because that's part of life. See, see brothers and sisters who, who believe in Jesus, we live in a fallen world filled with battles and blessings. There are many blessings, but there are battles. But the final word is that glory awaits. Therefore, we are people of thanksgiving. And so as you think, look at those three options. Option number one that says that life is an insignificant mess, there's no such thing as giving thanks. If you look up to give thanks, there's nobody to look up to. Option number two, the Buddhistic, the Stoic view, that, that, that there, is a, there is an impersonal God who, who is there, but he's not involved in your life. He's not a shepherd. He's not a king. He's just an impersonal holy other that's undefinable. Your option should be, or statement should be, thanks for nothing. But then option number three, if you believe there's a shepherding king who's all wise and who is for us because of the cross, a God who has scars, and, and if you believe that he is one who gives us salvation through the work of the Christ on the cross, if you believe there's a future that awaits and death is not the final word and there's going to be a bodily resurrection and there's going to be joy immeasurable and indescribable in this life, then you say, thanks be to God. And, and so you come to question two in the Heidelberg Catechism as we think about this, this statement. Question two is this. This is really good. I'm, I, I, this is so good. How many things are necessary for you, knowing this comfort, knowing that Christ is God, and knowing that, that, that you belong to the Lord, that he's satisfied for your sins on the cross, that he's delivered you from the power of the devil, and, 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 and that he preserves you so that not a hair can fall from your head without his will, okay? So, having, knowing this comfort, what is it that you must do or know to live and die happily? I like that. I want to live and die happily. And here's the answer. Three. First, how great is, how great are my sins and miseries? Number two, how I may be delivered from my sins and my miseries? And third, how I shall express my gratitude to God for such deliverance. Live and die happily. Know the death of my sin. Know the way I've been delivered. And know how I can express gratitude. So with that as a backdrop, I want to go to a very familiar passage. It's in Luke chapter 17. Make three quick points as we think about Thanksgiving. And how Thanksgiving should permeate our lives. This is Luke 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. 
And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Leprosy in the day of the Lord made you a social untouchable, a pariah. You had to live outside of the cities. If, if, if you were in public, you had to be at least 50 yards away from anyone else, lest the wind blow your infection upon them. You couldn't touch a leper. You, you lived a, a, a life of, of total horror with other lepers. And, and so in this passage, Jesus is passing by. These 10 lepers have heard of the one they call master or rabbi or teacher, that he has significant power to heal and to make well. And so they stood at a distance, which was proper, and they cried out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. The priest would like the health officials to ratify the cleansing of leprosy. And as they went, they were healed. One came back. He was a Samaritan. Samaritans being foreigners, it says here in the text. They were people who, were, who intermarried with non-Jews. They didn't go to Jerusalem to worship. They only accepted the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, they were considered outcast and socially unacceptable to the true Jews. So only the Samaritan came back. And so as, as, I, as you look at this text, let me mention three things about Thanksgiving. The first is, uh, if we're going to be thankful people, we must come to the Lord with a spirit of understanding our desperation. Martin Luther said this in writing on this particular passage. He says this, he says, God accepts only the forsaken, he cures only the sick, he gives sight only to the blind, he restores life only to the dead, he sanctifies only sinners, he gives wisdom only to the unwise, in short, he has mercy only on those who are wretched. Uh, these men were desperate, they knew it, they were lepers, they had to live outside the cities. Nobody could visit them. They'd been ostracized by family and friends. They were desperate. Um, to, to me, the only way to come to Christ is in brokenness and pain. Even after you've seen the cross and your sins have been forgiven, there should be a sense of, of hints of desperation in the midst of joyful worship. Hints of, of desperation. When we come to worship, in part we are saying, Lord, um, you say in John 15 that you're the vine, we're a branch. And if we abide in you, we produce much fruit, but if we don't, we do not. We, we just can't. Lord, 
I, I cannot pull this off. Lord, I agree with Augustine of old who said that man is incurably curved in upon himself, that apart from your grace and your power, I'm going to ride off in 100 directions that are bad and not one direction that's good. God, I need you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so, so to me, there's got to be a, a sense of real desperation. Number two is this. Christ says to the ten, go show yourself to the high priest, and as they went, they were healed, and only one came back and fell at the feet of the Lord. And as I thought about this in this text, you can pull out 10 lessons from this text, but I, I just thought we just easily forget. I, as Thanksgiving is here, I just want to say we, we easily forget. There's no Puritan who lived right in the middle of the Puritan century, died in 1691, named John Flavel. And this is what John Flavel wrote. He says that the thankful person must faithfully record his mercies, else God cannot have his due. He says, Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he says, His forgotten mercies bear no fruit. A bad memory, in this case, makes a barren heart and life. Forgotten mercies bear no fruit. So, here's what I thought. I just, I thought this. I thought, well, you know, application of this. For, for, forgotten mercies, if forgotten mercies bear no fruit, and you can't argue that. Uh, so, so my application is, church, this today, um, give them the next card, okay? Go home and write out 20 things for which you're very thankful. This, this will take you three minutes. I mean, it's just it's quick. And, and then every day for two weeks, pray through this list. Thank God for this list. Just do it. Because forgotten mercies bear no fruit. And take two names off of this list and write them a little letter saying, thank you for blessing me. Thank you for showing me how to live. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Because listen, forgotten mercies bear no fruit. And I forget. I forget. How easily we forget. One thing we do as a family, we, uh, we've done this for about 12 years now. At, between Christmas and New Year, we all get together, either in person or FaceTime, and we, we write down 10 things that have been remembered with Thanksgiving, primarily in the past calendar year. I write them down, I put them in an envelope, I put the year on it, and stick it in the file, just so we'll remember. Even, uh, even in the way we greet each other. I mean, this is what Augustine was writing about a psalm, and this is what he says. And this, I thought this was very, he, Augustine says, you know, he died in 430. He said, he said I want to commend to you, he says, the, the practice of the ancient Christians, first century. When they greet each other, they would say, thanks be to God, or God be thanked. And when they heard any tithes and persecution, or a protection, or favor, or frown, or gain, or loss, or cross, or comfort, they would say, the Lord be thanked. Uh, orientation on, on the reality of God. Uh, we had a young lady went to church here, discipled by some people in this church. She was from Germany, delightful person, had her over a house to eat one day with some of her friends, 
And she said, may I ask you a question? I said, sure. She says, I will go out in this city and people will say to me, hi, how are you doing? Should I stop and tell them? I said, no, they really don't care. That's just the way we say things to each other. Just say fine and keep on going. So I wondered if I should stop and say, well, no, tell me, tell me how I'm doing. I said, no, that would blow their mind. Don't do that. So we have all these silly greetings. You know, you know if you go to southern Germany and Austria, you know how they greet each other? Gruß Gott. Gruß Gott. Go with God. God's favor upon you. Oh, I like that. Now, we can't say, we don't speak German here, but, 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 but God be thanked. Just remember the greatness of God because we easily forget. As I look at this text, the, the, the Samaritan came back and, and Jesus says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your, your faith has made you well. And I just, there's wellness and restoration in thanksgiving and the worship of Christ. Psalm 103 that we've quoted earlier, read earlier, says, first few verses, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget in all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I just thought, how does the renewal take place where well, you remember your sins have been forgiven. You remember that God touches you and, and blesses you. You remember that he redeems your life from the pit. That, that apart from the mercy of Christ, we could have gone this way or this way or this way or this way, and it's not good. Who, who time after time blesses us with his presence. And then, then I, you read about how this whole issue of go show yourself to the priest when you have leprosy in, in the Old Testament. I'll just recount it to you very quickly. Leviticus 14, if, if a man says, I have no leprosy, the priest came and examined him. And, and if he had no leprosy, he would, he would take two birds and he would sacrifice one bird for the man's sin and he would dip the other bird in the blood and, and he would sprinkle the man seven times with, with the blood of the bird. And, and then he would say, now go way outside the camp, about outside the leprosy camp, but outside the camp of the people of Israel and, and, and shave your head and wash your body and shave all the hair off your, off your body and live that way. And, and, and after seven days, I will come and examine you. And he came and examined him again. And he says, now wash and shave yourself again. On the eighth day, he would come back and, and he took two lambs. And, and one lamb he would slaughter as a sin offering, the Bible says. And he would take the blood of the lamb and he put it on his right earlobe, on his right thumb, and on his right big toe. And, and then he would take oil and he would put oil on him, on his earlobe, representing the presence the anointing presence of God, earlobe, thumb, and toe, and he'd be declared clean. But this is what the Bible says. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. And I, I think what that is saying here, this passage, is foreshadowing the coming of Christ. And what it's saying here is your problem is not leprosy. Your problem is sin. Your problem is not a skin disease that destroys fingers and toes and numbs your body. That's not your problem. Your problem is sin, and your sin is covered by the Lamb. 
by the blood of the Lamb for signifying the coming of Christ. And then I just look at this man, and Christ says to him, he says, your faith has made you well. It's obvious it's made you well, but I think he's speaking of a deeper reality. Your faith has made you physically well, but your faith in coming and worshiping me has made you a whole person. That's what we need. We need to fall at the feet of Jesus and worship him and plead with him to change us. And God, bring your shalom into my life. And, and that's, that's the message of the cross. Church, that's what we're about. And so this Thanksgiving, give thanks. Give thanks. Some people are saying there's no person to give thanks to. Others are saying thanks but no thanks. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, so church, this is the message of the cross.